start. So this is uh, something like day four, is it, of the summer school? Yeah. And the meditation you will have been looking at is the omniscience of God, where He knows, and and He not the om, He knows everything. So there can be no not no unforeseen circumstance with Him. You read it this morning. There's nothing that's going to surprise him. It's a brilliant place to be, that nothing surprises him. Things that creep up behind us, nothing surprises him. Um, so we're going to be looking at possessing the land, rules of engagement and conquest regulations, and we know that it's the inner territory that we're talking about. When the Lord brought Israel into the land of their inheritance, they encountered the Perizzites, the Amorites, the Hittites, and the Canaanites, and loads of other rites. Mm. So we may well be identifying our own giants and the internal battle that must be fought and won if we are to come into all that the Lord has for us. And our scripture is Exodus 23, 20 to 27. We actually get to decide whether we will be wimps or warriors. So if you'd like to pass one of those round, we'll just have a look. Exodus 23. Be a good thing to start with it anyway. This uh, mine in my Bible it's headed up conquest regulations. And it's been an inheritance word that I've had since uh, the 22nd of April last year. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you in to the Amorites and the Hittites, and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Or my note says, annihilate them. That just about does them in, doesn't it? You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. What's your sacred pillars? So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Part of your inheritance there? No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren. I will fulfill the number of your days. He will take sickness away from the midst of you. These are all inheritance things that we have in this life. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite and the Hittite from before you. Here comes the but. I will not drive them out before you in one year lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. So it's all about inheriting the land, isn't it, this morning?
those of you who weren't here, I did. I had done a copy of Wait Thou Only Upon God, that thing that I uh, quoted from yesterday, so there's a copy of that there if you want it to help yourself later. Um, in and out of what we've been saying, we've been talking about um, inheritance, and I should probably do something a bit more formal about inheritance at some other stage but it's just popped in and out of things but as we sort of flag things up that are parts of our inheritance righteousness peace and joy are the three uh, that you uh, have as part of your inheritance and if your righteousness your peace and your joy goes out the window something else has taken its place so uh just a question for you before we start this morning. I don't need you to say anything. You can do business with God about it. What, what's your peace level on a scale of one to four? Um, one being ha ha and four being in peace. Because peace and rest are part of your inheritance. That's what uh, Hebrews 4 is about, coming into the rest of God. So if you aren't peaceful, just find out why you're not peaceful. Ask the Lord, because that is part of your inheritance. And while we were soaking just now, um, I felt the Lord just remind me that on Saturday morning when we did the Revelation, the Book of Revelation overview, he called, called me to call people up for battle. Um, and to my amazement, everybody came forward. Um, I said that they didn't have to at all and it was no disgrace if they didn't feel they wanted to uh, but it was to come forward to be anointed for battle um, and one lady came forward who I know is absolutely riddled with fear and uh, bless her as I put my hands on her anointed her with oil I said to her bravery is not the absence of fear sweetheart thank you for standing up God sees this mm. It's doing it afraid. Mm. So whatever Amorite, Perizzite, whatever the other right is in your life that God is asking you to do and it's fearful for you, uh, don't be worried about the fact that you're um, afraid, but don't let it stop you. Because fear is one of the giants in the land. It's one of the enemy's favourite tactics is don't go there. <sighs> you don't know what. Or you'll lose if you do that. Or you won't be able to stand that. Total lie. Uh, if God's calling you to do something, just do it. So uh, that was what came to me while we were just um, there. He's calling me to do something that actually put the willies up me this morning. <laughs> and I said, I can't do this. He said, I know. Isn't it good? So yes and amen to you Lord so we've actually been finding I think this week that God has seriously been challenging our comfort zone like he did with the beloved in the, in the Song of Songs uh, he challenged her um, in Song of Songs 1 5 to 7 she faced her first spiritual crisis um, but in 2 7 he says don't disturb her but he is disturbing her it's the voice of God himself. 
And in 2.8, Song of Songs 2.8, Voice of my beloved, behold, he comes, leaping on the mountains, skipping on the hills. She confronts her second spiritual crisis, which is fear. He's awakening her now. And we don't know how much time has elapsed between verses 7 and 8. He didn't want anyone else to disturb her. He's going to do the waking up. So he told the daughters of Jerusalem, let her sleep. But now he is awakening her. She's no he's knocking on the door of her heart to bring her out of the comfort zone and into mature partnership with himself. This is always what he's doing. He wants maturity. His goal is maturity. Um, he can't have fully grown children that are immature. The two, it, it's awful to see um, a fully grown adult that's got the mind of a child. It's you, you know when they're mentally handicapped. That's a terrible thing. A man's body, a woman's body, and a child inside. So this season brings changes in her life. And the time frame between chapter 2, verse 7 and verse 8 could be a week, a month, or 10 years. It's different in everyone's life. Because in verse 217, she actually refuses again to leave the comfort zone. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, turn, my beloved, don't come here, don't come asking me that. And be like a gazelle or a young stag upon the mountains of Beth -er. So she refuses to leave the comfort zone. And actually the single issue before her is, is Jesus Christ a safe God? Is it safe to obey him 100%? And that's the question that we'll always be hit with when God asks us to come into something, maybe that we have feared for years, maybe that he has been trying to get us to address and we won't look it full in the face. And what actually happens is we're over here and we're saying, God, I want this. And he says, come here. God, I need this. Come here. Oh, Lord, I want more of you. Come here. He's not going to come to you. You have got to move and align yourself with him and allow him to do what he wants to do or you will stay a spiritual baby and you will not overcome the giants in the land and therefore you will not be victorious. And one of the things in your life that is in your inheritance is to be in spiritual victory. So part of your inheritance is walking in spiritual victory. We can talk about it, but it's not real. There's some out on the... Um, should be either in the kitchen, dear, or in the office, pots full of them. <laughs> Pens. So in the flesh, it seems safer to be in the boat without Jesus instead of on the water with him. But we'll all come to this crunch time. We come to the crunch time of putting our Isaac on the altar and allowing him to raise the knife. It just happens. We looked at it earlier in the week. Um, what I want to look at is not singularly to do with this, but I think it's where I've got to go first, is things that determine gain or loss in terms of our inheritance. Um, I just want to 
pray before we start this. Father, I pray that you will bring an understanding heart, that you will settle some issues deeply for us in our spirit and make them to be reality as we progress. This is not an advancing word, but a word to prepare for war. As I said before, we hear a lot about the Father heart, but running right alongside that is that we are an army, we are a bride, and we cannot have half of a message. Self-indulgence has really got to go. Um, it's got to go. If we're going to come into our inheritance. Um, we laughed the other day when I sang, Kiss Me Goodnight, Sergeant Major, tucked me in my little wooden bed, and then Joyce gave me the last verse, which was stanza, which is, uh, Sergeant Major, be a mother to me. <laughs> there are times when the Holy Spirit will appear to be a Sergeant Major to you, uh, and if you're wise, you'll, you'll follow what he's asking you to do, because as I keep saying, it's not sloppy agape. People come to me and they say, I'm a warrior. And I say, no, you're not. I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior. God may have spoken warrior over you. That does not make you a warrior. What makes you a warrior is going into the fight when you're bidden and winning. That's what makes you a warrior. What makes you a warrior is being prepared to get rid of, like we said about the marathon runner, everything that holds on to you so that you can run. I don't want a thousand people who can't chase one in the battle lines alongside me. I want one that can chase a thousand and I'll be alright. Again, I come to that picture that I had that time of the lifeboat three others, myself on the boat, this person on the jetty, oh, all kitted up, they waste everything on, let me come, let me come, let me come. <sighs> As they say, no. We'll get halfway out in the bay, you'll throw up, and you'll either want to go back, or you'll want someone to minister to you. And I'm not standing there holding your head while you're throwing up over the side of the boat. You get to the place where you're looking round for warriors in the body of Christ. And you know what you're looking at, because God knows everything. So we may be able to fool ourselves, but we can't fool others, and we can't fool God about where we actually are. Because if we don't face ourselves honestly, the first thing that steps in is deception didn't know I was going to say this but the first thing that steps in is deception and then you will find yourself saying God said God said God said the Lord told me God said God said but actually he's not saying anything at all it's what you want saying what you want putting the label of the Lord on the front of it just remember if you catch yourself doing that knowing jolly well God has not said to you oh yes there, there, pat, pat. That he knows everything. I think the reason, well, I know the reason why I had to start with this thing about things that determine gain or loss. What he spoke to me about this morning um, was that discipline delayed is not discipline overlooked. Like I said with my dog, 
run, 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 until suddenly the thing caught him and he'd go flying up in the air. God's delay isn't denial. If you look at Ecclesiastes 8, 11 and 12, you'll see what I'm saying. Mine's headed up, uh, inability to understand all God's doing. And verse 11 says, Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. In other words, he thinks he's getting away with it. And I've seen some cases of this recently. Uh, and... It's scary. <coughs> Sometimes God's kids think they've got away with it and then they are encouraged to do it again and do it more. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times in his life, I still know it will be well for those who fear God and who fear him openly. So the warning I'm throwing out this morning, and I, and I just knew I had to do it, so whoever it is for, hear it, is don't kid yourself that God doesn't see uh, when you're actually not being truthful and you're putting on a label on things that is not God. Um, so, scary. It's scary to actually have to say something like this because when I was praying, and I, I said, you know, what is it you want to major on this morning? Delayed discipline is not ignoring it. And he will be warning he will be warning and saying, look, come on, you know this isn't me. Now straighten up, fly right. So that's it. Inheritance isn't instant. You don't pour water on it and mix, like instant porridge or wallpaper paste. Instant anything has problems with it. Ever tried to mix a, an instant paste mix for wallpaper, the lumps? You know, you've got to work on it to get it smooth. There was a young man in the Bible who we know well who went to his father and said, I want my inheritance now. So he got it, didn't he? And he went off and he spent it. See, we have a now inheritance. We, we actually have it. Righteousness, peace and joy are just three of the things. Good health, material sufficiency are two others. Peace in our families is another thing, part of our inheritance. Walking victoriously and knowing and understanding what spiritual warfare really is. I laughed when I saw that dolly this morning. I didn't laugh in the middle of the night, but it, when, she, when uh, Tanya said uh, she's got a, what did you say, she's got a bit of metal up her backside or something like that. Yeah, well, I had some of that in the middle of the night last night, uh, a little drop of warfare there. Uh, I wasn't best thrilled about it, but uh, I thought, oh, blow me. Anyway, the message I suppose that I'm trying to get across this morning is that we need to show diligence in our, in our Christian walk. Um, that we need to start paying attention to actually what the Word of God says. 
so that we walk in accordance with it and we become what he wants us to be, warriors overcoming the giants in our land. Because when we've overcome those, then he can send us out as, as lambs among wolves. We are not safe to be sent out until we actually have overcome the stuff in our own lives. We can't take ground from the devil if he's got ground in us. So we just have to listen to what God is saying and begin to walk in it. Um, Hebrews 6, verse 11. Oh, she's gone over the top. Oh, Father. I've just remembered what Paul said. Shall I come at you? Do you want me to come to you with a rod or in gentleness? Because they were not the Corinthian Christians, I think it was. They weren't listening. Uh, and uh, by the authority vested in him, he had to say, look, now, how would you like me to come? Gently or with a stick? Get in line, Winifred. Right, Hebrews 6.11. It's an exhortation to maturity. I'll go right from verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to maturity, not laying the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. You remember the dead works of wood, hay and stubble, the stuff that we do that's religious, the big bags full of uh, nonsense that are our good ideas uh, that will get burnt up at the, d at the end of the day of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. He's writing here to the Hebrews, so they had got all these things out of the law. Uh, and in fact, some of them did go back. And this is where people get this scripture about losing your salvation is from Hebrews. Um, and this is the one. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame people will use that as a reason that you can lose your, inherit, your, your uh, salvation it is not so it is writing to Hebrew Christians who having recognized Jesus as the Messiah because they were fearful of the Jews, went back to the temple and started sacrificing all over again. So you are crucifying the Son of God all over again. They're saying to him, you've had, you've tasted of the heavenly. Why are you going back to the stuff that you did before? If they fall away again, for the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it's rejected and near to being cursed, near to, whose end is to be burned, which is what will happen to our works if they're not of God. But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, the things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. He's had to come in, the writer of the Hebrews, firmly on these people, but he's saying, but we expect better things of you. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labour of love which you've shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. This is the verse I wanted. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence 
to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So what are the ingredients we need to inherit these promises? Faith and patience. Nothing is instant in the kingdom. It doesn't get downloaded to us um, like some sort of giant Father Christmas. Faith and patience. Two steps. One step and then the next step. Faith and patience. Faith and patience. That's how we walk the Christian walk. Faith and patience. If God doesn't answer initially, he will eventually. And he is training us. He, if he isn't training us for war, he's training us for reigning. I want to come into my inheritance. I want to come into it now, and I want to come into it then. Both of them are important to me. Um, this is why we were looking at the beginning of the week at where our focus was. It is only when he is, I'm looking at it now, this word lodestar that he gave me the other day. Had to look it up, didn't know what a lodestar was. Uh, it's the north star, polaris, used for navigation or as a reference position in astronomy. Guiding principle, something that somebody uses as a model or principle to guide behaviour, literally. So it is vital, as I keep banging on about, that we understand and commit to the desire of God for our own lives. That we make him the lodestar, not our own wishes and desires. That we actually hear what he truly is saying. Uh, and not just what we, we've got very selective hearing sometimes. We will hear what we want to hear and we will just tune out everything. Have you ever had anybody come to you for advice and you don't tell them what they want to hear? And the next thing is you see them going to somebody else. No, they're not telling them. Oh, I'll, I'll try with Ruth. She might, no, 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 no. I'll try. So, ah, ah. Sue is telling me what I want to hear. Lovely. Never mind about the other half a dozen opinions that were actually all in the concert. They were all saying the same thing. But the one over there that actually agrees... That's when we come into deception, because we are self-deceived. What we are doing is looking for someone to agree with what we want to say. And we will we'll throw away anything that comes. Do I have to? Okay. I made reference yesterday to someone who tuned out my voice for 10 years. And it was Joyce. She tuned out everything that I said that I brought from the Lord. And she ended up coming into extreme discipline. Because she wouldn't listen, because she made a vow that she wasn't going to listen to what I said... I saw her crawling round the floor and retching with pain with her shoulder some years ago as God brought her to realise that the word that I was bringing was not mine. Beloved, I am not banging my drum. If this is for someone here, I am not banging my drum. I am bringing the word of God into your life and he's saying, wake up, beloved, I need you to hear me. Wake up, I need you to change. It, it was ter a terrible time. 
absolutely terrible. And it's not the first time that I've seen someone brought into almost extremists. Another lady when we were at... Um, it was a terrible time that we went through because she didn't recognise it then. It was some several years later that she really realised what he was saying. Had to say sorry to God and opened her ears to what I've been saying all along and the progress was rapid because she came into alignment with what I've been trying to hear her, get her to hear. You see, when the word comes from somebody who's our peer or, you know, a friend, we think, like they did with Moses, oh, well, so do you. Who do you think you are? I'm not listening to you. I'll go and ask somebody else. I mean, judgment came on the people because of the way they wouldn't listen to Moses. Um, God raises up his leaders. You don't ask. If God's felt your collar, you had just got to come into line with what he wants. Uh, that's, that's enough from there. But um, okay. For years I resisted the call of God on my life because I could not, and I could not um, accept. Um, and in the end, he said, you know, will you settle it, please? I have called you to run this thing that I'm calling Oasis. It's not your work, it's mine. You're in my employment. Will you settle it now? I don't want any more argument. It was not quite as firm as that, but it was, look, how long will you play footsie with me? So I settled it. I just settled it. We come to the place, thank goodness I didn't get into discipline over it, <laughs> because I wasn't being disobedient in that regard I just every time anything went wrong I thought it's my fault <laughs> so I took the blame said right okay we close the place must be my idea da 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 same old route wrote me resignation so many times I can't write name resign but what you're seeing now is the fact that I've actually taken fully on what he's telling me that, that he's called me to do and therefore I've got to stand in it and hi guys I'm practicing on you <laughs> Because I realised that this morning when he spoke to me in the bath and, and I thought, that's what's happening here. This is what he's been doing. He gets me to, to speak out in a small group the words that he gives me to say. I, I mean, I, when we were listening and soaking, my heart was beating so I didn't even know what I got to say. But I knew that he was going to bring something out that I probably wasn't going to relish bringing. Uh, and so that's enough of that. But when we were at the flat, there was a lady came there, um, stayed with us for quite some time. And one night, she was laying in bed, and she had been in bed all day, and she was sinking. She was, I mean, she was ill. With She was dying. She was got going. And, uh, thank you, dear. I got very frightened. I really did. I mean, here she is, just sinking, hardly breathing. Uh, and I said, Joyce, we've got to call an ambulance. I felt the Lord say, no. <laughs> so I overrode that, <laughs> called the ambulance. Um, I cannot remember the psalm. Um, it's... There it is. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Anyway, cast her off to hospital, took her into outpatients, called the ambulance, caused no end of a stir. And um, 
got her into outpatients and she began to revive and I began to think this one wrong so we left her overnight went to visit her the next morning because by then the Lord had spoken and it was from Psalm 32 verse 3, 4 when I kept silent my bones grew through grew old through my groaning all day long for day and night your hand was heavy on me <clears throat> my vitality was turned into the drought of summer Selah, think about that I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden I said I will confess my transgressions to you and, the and you forgave the iniquity of my sin goes on to say I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go I will guide you with my eye do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding which must be harnessed with the bit and the bridle or else they will not come the fact was that his hand was what was heavy on her and I do not remember what it was but we had to go to her the next day in hospital and say we've got this this is not a physical sickness this is some sort of discipline you need to discharge yourself she became convinced because she knew what it was that the problem was and um, uh, that, that there was a little doctor, a little a Chinese doctor, he wanted to do a lumbar puncture and we're saying don't have it, don't have it, there's no need, there's no need. So after a great deal of fight uh, he discharged her but it was very, you know, on your own head be it, you know, I'm not taking any responsibility for you discharging yourself, da 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 da. But it was a repentance issue. Uh, and someone has said somewhere, when God calls you to repentance, don't go back three days, go back three years. <laughs> Have a good look at what it is that he's telling you that you need to change your mind about. So if we're going to press in and gain our inheritance, these are the sort of things that determine gain or loss. Ignoring what we don't like. So he desires that each one of us show the same diligence so as to realise the full assurance of hope to the end so that we may not be sluggish but be imitators of those who through faith and patience came into the land so I'll stop there and let you have uh, take a deep breath and a breather and uh, come back in a quarter of an hour perhaps but if God's spoken to you and you feel you need to be doing business with him feel free to just disappear and do it otherwise stand up turn around sit down as Graham would say sorry <laughs> thank you <laughs> the, the, the sheep are in disarray the story that, the story that came to me was um You'll, you'll remember it, Nathan the prophet going to David after his sin with Bathsheba and um, Nathan said to David there's this man who had hundreds of sheep and yet he went and took the sheep of a man who only had the one and David said that man must die and Nathan said the man is you um, and that was the story that, that came to me was how the, the prophet goes to the, to the person and points it out but um, I don't know where I was going, but that was just what... So be not... Do not be fearful. Um, I need to say to you that if you're trembling, it does not relate to you. 
because it means you're hearing what God is saying. It is most likely that the one to whom it does refer is sitting there thinking, well, this isn't for me. I don't know why all this is coming out. You see? That is the way it works. That whatever God is saying in public, you see, the way it works with discipline is that if you don't hear and don't hear and don't hear, eventually he will make it public. Um, that's why with people like pastors who are in, in severe sexual sins and they think that their judgment has not caught up with them because they think, well, I'm a man of God doing God's work, bringing God's word. Discipline delayed is not discipline overlooked, which is where I started. But, beloved, be at rest. If you are fearful, it's a sure sign it ain't you. It is the complacent that will think, well, it can't possibly be me. That will be will be the one that is the one that's going to the Lord is going to have to speak to. So your very fear says, "Don't be fearful. Just know the goodness and the severity of God." Is it we? He never ever ever disciplines us except for our own good. And what we're learning in this is to be focused on him, to obey him because we love him, not out of fear. And if I've ministered fear, I didn't mean to, because I didn't know where I was going. Um, and as I say, I was, I was as surprised as you are, probably, about that. That's why I took June aside and said, please, I need to pray about this. Because if I found that I was wrong in there, I would have needed immediately to have made restitution and said, look, girls, just forget that bit, rub it off the thing, because it's not. And June said, though the word was right, uh, but some of the sheep were afraid, and I needed to reassure the ones that were nervous and to tell them that I would actually have a gentle word with the person to whom it referred. It does not mean that, that the word is going to be heard. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to just say it. And somehow you can be stronger in the context of a group than you can when you're face to face. Because when you're face to face with the person, what you hope is that the words you've already discharged in a general sense will actually have cut them to the heart and they're ready to hear. Because mm. it's only for their good. <sighs> so. Father, thank you that you've got here today who you want here and we need to know your ways. I, I mean, maybe this is where I can say this is where you see in me the demonstration of the holy fear of God. Because I knew he was pressing me to give a word like that and I was scared stiff so I was between a rock and a hard place. And that wasn't until I got in there that I remembered that... Um, I'd said to Lola, what I'm going to be speaking this morning does not apply to you. <laughs> and I thought, that's a funny thing. All I'm doing is wimps and watsits, but never mind. There we are. Um, so some of the pain, talking about inheritance now, uh, we experience is due to an inheritance that's been hastily gained. Like the... The boy who wanted his inheritance now. 
I want it and I want it now and went off and spent it of course but when he came back his father still uh, know the story well gave him the best robe put sandals on his feet didn't stop him being the son uh, but it was inheritance hastily gained and you could call it the positive gospel the positive gospel leaves out all the parts that are not positive <laughs> the problem is that when you get into a fix you don't have the ingredients that you need to find your way out of it because what you've been fed is nana, as I keep saying. You've been fed father's love, father's love, father's love, ministry, 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 and nothing about the discipline of God because he loves you. Must have the two. Um, because otherwise you haven't got, when you are in a fix, the ingredients you need, faith and patience, to get you out of the fix you've got, you're into. Picture eight men in a boat, having lovely fellowship, good food. They're out in the ocean there, caught 80 fish, all very positive. But the fact is that they're just off the barrier reef. And the boat's leaking, and they've just run off to, out of fuel. You cannot live on half a gospel. You can't live on it. It's like that man that said, uh, um, met, Bob Mumford met up with him. Uh, they'd both been in college together and he said how's your uh, how's your ministry going oh yeah it's going very well he said uh, uh, but I've dropped the bit about suffering because it affects the offering <laughs> so you see we can have the half a gospel of come to Jesus and get your knees met yeah absolutely right but we don't get the bit about being disciples and going on to victory and going on to maturity we don't get that bit so we stay little fat sheep like saw in the field producing nothing except fat, growing fat, no teeth, useless. As, as he, I can't get away from that, sweetheart, if I can remember what he said. I wrote it down somewhere this morning because I thought it was so funny. There's not enough, tru not enough truth in you for a used demon <laughs> to be bothered with. Not enough truth in you for a used demon to be bothered with. So here they are now. They're stuck out there. Um, with no, they've got these fish, it's all lovely, they're in the boat, but the boat's leaking, they've got no uh, fuel, and they're just off the barrier reef. I mean, that's not a nice uh, situation. And being a Christian is not all beer and skittles. And the positive gospel really does bring instant and immediate results, it does. But for people like me, who actually want to prepare you for the fight for life, I have to come and give you something different from blessings all the way because you are going to need it. Good morning. I'm not being negative, I'm being realistic. Before Jesus comes again, we're going to see a clash of kingdoms and we need to be ready and prepared for war. It's as simple as that. And in our preparation, in our being ready, we will gain our inheritance. We will gain walking in health. We will will gain joy, righteousness, joy and peace. We will gain uh, peace and um, harmony in our families and in our fellowships because we are prepared to die. So we will gain our inheritance. You will have your equipment, what to do when the boat's out of fuel and how to stop the boat from leaking. 
there was a lovely story and Bob Mumford told a story like this and he said he went on to say that there's eight blokes in the boat and suddenly one of them started drilling over underneath <laughs> underneath where he was sitting and the man saying what are you doing he said well the Lord told me here it comes the Lord told me to bore a hole and he said but you're gonna you know he said it's only under my seat <laughs> You know, I know that in my early Christian walk, when I would say, I would often say, the Lord said, and the Lord said, and I could see the look on people's faces. Um, but actually, He had said. But there are some who actually pepper their conversations with what God told me, and He said, and I should, and it's always never mind, never mind. So I don't want anyone drilling all under their seat. Thank you very much. <laughs> Things can happen to us suddenly. Suddenly everything we thought we knew, everything we thought we understood, everything we thought we had, suddenly you're just holding on to it. Peter and the boys, seasoned fishermen, boat ride, you've heard, you've heard Graham on the subject. Lovely day for a boat ride, send the boys out. Don't you care that we perish? They're suddenly thrust into a situation completely out of their control and they went because he told them. So don't think that God won't lead you into situations where you think, like Laurel and Hardy, you know, another fine mess you got me into. <laughs> so we were talking about discipline delayed and it's not discipline overlooked. And sometimes we actually do things that violate God and his word and we may do it intentionally or ignorantly, by mistake or whatever. We violate something in him. And the thing is about God that he doesn't judge it on the spot. Um, Bob Mumford said, he was talking about, a, 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 must have been a, a speaker that was in front of him. He said, I can touch this speaker, nothing happens. So I did it again, nothing happens. Do it five times more and then the fifth time, ha! Keep doing the same thing, eventually he'll get a shock. Uh, because that's the principle behind it. God does not judge straight away. When he starts looking, at, this is what I said earlier on, when God starts dealing with you, you want to look back three days, get serious with God and look back three years or five years. These things are cumulative often when God is actually bringing us to something. He just lets us run. Uh, and again, I've, I've actually spoken of a lot of the things that are in my notes here. The pastor in adultery, and he thinks he's getting away with it because nobody seems to be the, aware of it. The congregation is still hanging on his every word, and they think he's such a great man of God that God overlooks what he's doing. He overlooks his trips to the continent to go with a prostitute once a month or whatever it is. God sees it. This is the meditation we had. And what was it this morning? Lord, you know all things. You know when I sit down and when I stand and you are acquainted with all my ways. I can tell you nothing and it's vain to try to hide anything from you. This is such security, folks. Mm. I remember the moment that I realised that in Psalm 139. I wanted to get under the sofa that I had at the time and it hadn't even got a gap that size because I suddenly realised he could see everything. And then there came flooded in me such a sense of relief 
that he knows exactly what I'm made of and he loves me just the same. He knows whoever it is that he was speaking to this morning is not his love uh, being withheld or taken away or any of that. It is in his love that he will correct. We do need to be teachable. We need to hear what people are saying. So it, our passage looked at the omniscience of God and that is our safety. He knows everything so there can be no unforeseen circumstances, no accidents. He knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters. All mind and every mind, all spirit and all spirits. He is sovereign. There can be no countermanded order, no breakdown in authority. He is immutable. There is no shadow of change. What confidence! It's absolutely brilliant. So there's no fear in any of this. Just walk in circumspectly before our God. When I remember it, I, I actually confess the sin of ignorance. I say to the Lord, I'm sure that I'm doing things that you actually don't want me to be doing and saying things you don't want, but I'm not aware of it. You remember in the Old Testament there was an offering for a sin of ignorance. Um, Please balance it with the love of God. You're looking terrified, some of you. <laughs> with the love of God. But I can't give you half a gospel. Got to say, look, now the holiness of God is, is coming upon us. And not because he's saying, look out, you've got to see how holy I am. It's because he's saying, I'm your father, and this is another facet of my personality. So know me. Be obedient, children. So we all know, don't we, how lovely it is. Uh, but back to this pastor. Because the sentence is not speedily executed, we think, one, that God didn't see it, two, that he didn't care, or three, that we got away with it. I was out with a girl and I still have an anointing. Young man, you just got yourself into trouble. Sooner or later, God will judge the act and discipline the action, because he's a good father. So it behoves us to hear him, when he's saying anything to us. Lord help me. Okay. Do you want me to do one of those little things in there? No, no, I think I've done it. I think I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. That's it. People on the CDs wonder what's going on. Never mind. So all this that we're going through here is preparation for you. Um, as it's, I said at the beginning, it's not an advancing word, but a word to prepare for war. Because there is going to be a release, I believe, of evil, the like of which we have never understood. Mm. And we need to be able to stand in that place. So we're talking about overcoming giants and being warriors. And most of the time, you know, when I first came into Christianity, it used to be, oh, I'm, I'm in the victory, I've got the victory. And I'm thinking, what are they talking about? You know, uh, and I've, as I've gone, I'm st still puzzled. That was a very uh, Pentecostal thing to say. But I think what they were saying was that they were standing in the victory of Jesus, which is what we do have to stand. All we're required to do is to stand. Uh, but we need to get our lives cleaned up and space for the Holy Spirit. So let's just have a quick look. 
that five things that can lose you, your inheritance, not your salvation, all right? And that is your inheritance now, your love, righteousness, peace and your joy, your health, uh, your fruitfulness. These are all part of your inheritance that we might be fruitful. I mean, we read that passage, didn't we, in, in Exodus, and the, the pr promises there for fruitfulness and uh, peace and rest were huge, and these are our inheritance to, to live in now. And the first one, and probably we'll just look at this one and have a break, is trading. Do you remember I spoke generally about it yesterday? When we trade something for what God has given us, I beg your pardon? Five things you could, like, you lose your inheritance. I'm coming to them. She didn't know the I, I haven't listed them. The title. No, the title. Titles, okay. The, the first thing is trading. I might not get around to them all. The second thing is failure or refusal to mature, which is really what I was speaking about just now. Failure or refusal. The third thing is failure to bring forth kingdom fruit. The fourth is neglect. The fifth is temptation. If God doesn't get me out of here, I can't endure it. Yes, you can. So there you are. Those are the five things that can lose you. But trading is number one, really. And when we spoke about Satan yesterday and how he actually traded his position in the heavenly places mm. as number one to God himself for his own will. He wanted government. So he traded what he had and lost a lot because he thought, I'll get that. Little realising that the trade would lose it. So when you came into the kingdom of God, you came the same way Jesus did. You were born of the Spirit, baptised in water, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then sooner or later, you either have been or you will be led into the wilderness. At some point, you will get put there. And you're in there to test you and to prove you and to see what's in your heart. And it's at this point that trading can seem extremely attractive. Mm. It's not a complicated thing. The devil approaches and says, I'll make you a deal. Lay off that spiritual stuff and I'll show you a good time. I remember the night before I got baptised, this little demon sat on my drawing board here and said, it's not too late. You don't have to go and get baptised. Give this all up. You can just pack it up and go back to what you were doing before. It's not too late. You can do it. And I'm hanging on to this Troy board saying, no, no. Trade. He was trying to get me to trade what I had to go back to where I was. It isn't always quite as clear as that. It can come with, why don't you just live a little? You only have one life, you know. You're missing out. Mm. Everybody else is doing it. Go on, go and indulge yourself. What are you about to do? Trade. I know the Lord spoke to, to me about this 
years ago and I did not realise what it was. I was in the downstairs loo, I remember it now, just before I was going to work, and Stephen, my son, uh, was just starting work and earning, and I was banging along on empty, really, trying to run a house and bring him up and do all the stuff as well. And he would not give me anything for his keep. And I went to say, I feel like Gideon, meaning I was going to put out a fleece. And what came out of my mouth, like it did this morning, was I feel like Esau. I said, what's say that for? What do I feel like Esau? And the Lord said to me, because you are trading your spiritual inheritance, Beryl, for a mess of pottage. Because what I was doing was wanting money to keep the house going, rather than acting out of love and leaving the Lord to look after Stephen and me. And I did not realise that until I started looking. Even just then, when I began to speak about it, I thought, that was what I was doing. I was trading. It's ever so easy. Esau did it, didn't he? His stomach won. He came in, and because, I think it says somewhere in Proverbs, if you are a man given to food, put the knife to your throat when you're with rulers or something. Uh, don't let your stomach rule you. Esau did. And he lost his inheritance, didn't he? He wants my inheritance to me. I'm going to die of starvation, he said. Give us the food. Done in an instant. And in actual fact, what happened was, I think the, the curse on him was that um, his father gave, said to him was that you will, be, you, will be under, you will now be a slave to your brother. Because Esau was the firstborn. He should have had a double portion, but he didn't get it. We all have double portion, did you know that? We're all firstborn. So our inheritance is, is, is double portion, we're in that. So that's brilliant. God doesn't have any second sons, he has all firstborns. Firstborn among many, Jesus. So just have a look, what are you about to trade? If, you, if the devil comes along and says, what? Oh, come on. Everybody else does it. <sighs> Only one life. You know you're missing out. So you trade your inheritance for a mess of pottage. And what you're about to trade, you, you trade it for what's being offered. There's going to be an exchange. You are trading what you have, your inheritance, for what's being offered. And the devil made that trade in the garden. He traded the lie for God's truth. If you eat, you'll die, Satan said. God said, you, if you eat, you'll die, Satan said, you won't die. <coughs> so Adam traded and he lost his inheritance and he started to die. And from then on, every one of us has. No, leave that bit out. List of things for which an inheritance can be traded. And this is just short, because they, they come from um, Galatians and Romans, I think. Fornication, idolatry. Fornication is, is um, sexual act outside of marriage. Idolatry, like house, car, holidays, fill in your own blanks. Four walls and knickknacks on a shelf. Adultery, effeminacy, thievery, impurity, sensuality, outbursts of anger, factions, envying. And sexual sins. And there's more to sexual sin than forgiveness. 
and there's more to an idolatrous situation than forgiveness. It's always more in dispute than being forgiven. You can get forgiven very easily, very easily. What you stand in danger of losing is or forfeiting is your inheritance when you trade it for a moment's physical pleasure. The enemy will usually trade on your physical needs. You know, we were talking about um, uh, fasting and the and the apple pie at tea time last night. Bob Mumford on a fast three days. God's called him to a 40-day fast. Yes, Lord, go on a 40-day fast. Lady from across the road comes. Here it comes. Fresh apple pie just baked, steaming up under his nostrils. The Lord told me to bring you this apple pie. He may well have done just to test my... He said, in the door, gone. At <laughs> the lot. just said that's that temptation out of the way that's one way of putting I mean it's I don't know about you I have a difficulty getting my body under I mean I will not let that thing win last night uh, Dominique was lying on the settee having some crisps and she said would I like one I said no I've got two reasons for that one would it be kick me up all night with indigestion the other was I'm going to keep this body under it has got to do what I tell it if I say no you're not having it no you're not having it and that's that you know, some of us have more of a fight with our bodies than others. Um, you know, some of us can eat to the... Can't she, wherever she is, Joyce? Eat what she likes and it never makes any difference to her. If I just look at it... it I'm not going to speak then that because it's not going to anymore. Um, now, I'm going to get control over this body of mine. I'm not having it ruling me. I really am not. Um, because it's... You know, we know what we said, haven't we? Pleasure is physical. Happiness is circumstantial, depends on what happens, and joy is a choice. So we've looked at those three. So when we're looking at things like sexual sins and, and idolatry, there's more to it than forgiveness. There's something more in dispute because we stand in danger of losing something. God will always forgive us, that's his grace. But as it says, I think it's in Corinthians, or one of the books, the epistles, do not use your liberty for an occasion to sin. We can do all things. We can. If we are free. But don't let it be something that you can think, well, God will always forgive me, which he will. But that is a soft gospel. That's not the right gospel. It's like snakes and ladders, you know. Up the ladder, down the snake. You lose something. Because the snake tempts you. You can't lose salvation. But what you lose first off is your righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Second one. Failure or refusal to mature. Which is probably what God was actually saying this morning in that strong word that he brought about really not hearing and about deceiving ourselves because once we begin not to hear the deception comes in that's how it works we become self-deceived and it's a sad place to be because then we can't we cannot hear just a question that isn't, isn't a trap 
how many here would consider yourselves spiritually mature? It's not a trap. One of the things that can happen is that you feel like you're getting somewhere and then he reveals himself and we feel that we haven't even started off at first base. And that is good. That is so good. I can remember years ago, I used to have this little ladder. It was only about five steps up. Imaginary ladder. That's it. I get up one or two of the rungs and then suddenly, and then whoosh, bang, down on my bottom. So I'd start again climbing up. Whoosh, I got fed up. My bottom wouldn't stand it. I kept sliding down this thing. And the reason that I was sliding down it was that I was, Lord, I need to know this. Lord, will you teach me about that? Father, can I know about this? I wanted to know about everything. And with the result, that what I got was like a patchwork quilt of understanding. Nothing really hung together. So I kept asking for something else to make an explanation for that bit over there that I didn't understand. Up the little ladder down again. And then I twigged that I was asking the wrong question. And I said to him, what do you want me to know? What do you want to teach me? Glad you asked me that. Set me straight off on Roger Price tapes. Forgot everything I thought. I'd... There are times when we have to unlearn everything we thought we knew. So be prepared for it, because if you have built... Um, when a man lays a floor, if the first row of tiles is not straight, and he carries on going, that floor is going to be crooked and he's going to have to end up ripping the whole lot up. And it's exactly the same. If the foundation upon which you are walking, your foundation of your Christian walk, is not right, he will lovingly knock the lot out. Because you need to have the proper foundation upon which to build, otherwise it won't hold it. The earthquake comes and it will be doing this, and it will be the man with his house built on the sand, it'll all wash away. That's why when anyone comes to me and are serious about discipling, I'll get them put on Roger Price. And I can pretty soon see how much they really want to know, because the tapes are in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. I've just come to change my tapes, oh right, oh fine. And then it'll usually slow down, because the meat, because though they're called basic Bible study tapes, the teaching is far from basic. It's actually what you actually basically have to know. <laughs> so that's where the basic bit comes in. And many of us born into the charismatic movement have got no actual stuff hanging together about the basics at all. If we were asked to give a five-minute exposition on Israel and the church and whether there was a future for Israel and God's plans, we would not be able to do it. God brought me in on that. I know what his plans are for Israel. It's end time teaching has always been right up here with me, right in the forefront of everything. Because Jerusalem is the capital of the world as far as God is concerned. It's not London, it's not New York, it's Israel. So we just need to know, we need to know about things so that we might give a good reason for the things that we say. So failure or, or refusal to mature and more is less. And Hebrews 12.6 says, If you're a son, God is going to deal with you. And we all want to be, don't we? Huios, we're all aiming for that. So there may be some things that he has to deal with along the way. As I said yesterday, he's got to get stuff out of the way so he can put good stuff in. 
Hebrews 12, 6 or 5. This is exhortation to endure God's chastening. You've, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the discipline of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you. Well, I'll put a note here. All about endurance I've put. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chastening, chasten? And he goes on to say, We all had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Because our human fathers um, did it for their best, but God does it for our best. And again, it's what does it yield? It's the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. They're obviously not enjoying this. And the feeble knees. <laughs> and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. So make straight paths for your feet. Still can't say it. 1 Peter 4 1 says, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. God puts you into circumstances that will cause you to walk with a limp. He deals with this, this stuff. Our beautiful theories can be murdered by a gang of ugly facts. Life has a way of breaking in to our theories and bulldozing them. And part of growing up in God is that our theories get blasted out of the water and we begin to see reality. It hurts to grow up. It's painful. That's why we have so many spiritual babes. They don't want to grow. They don't want to hear. It hurts. Plain fact. Growing is spelt P-A-I-N-F-U-L. It's a painful thing to face the realities of life and begin to grow up. And many of us have been taught when we're in the process of growing up that it's a devil. No, this is a funny story that was his name said. Um, uh, Bob Mumford, he was talking about getting rid of things. This, this bloke who had all these fish tanks, some of the girls have heard this, he used to sit all day, well, when he came home, gaze at his fishes, loved his fishes, fish tanks all around the room. The Lord said to him, get rid of them, get rid of that thing. I rebuke you, devil. God wouldn't say a thing like that to me. So this goes on for about three weeks, get rid of the thing. It's an idol, get rid of the thing. So he says, okay, I'll take them, let somebody else have them. Nope down the toilet and made poor old Tim wince. <laughs> down the toilet? I said, yeah, down the toilet. He said, down the toilet, put them down the toilet. I said, down they all go down the toilet. And the guy goes to put the cases, the tanks, up on the top of his cupboard. And the Holy Spirit said, what are you doing that for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked. So get rid of that thing. See, it was God. We don't like it. Galatians 4.1 says, 
As long as the child is an heir, he does not differ at all from a slave. And why is that? Because he doesn't have enough spiritual understanding to know what his inheritance is. You go to a child and you say, do you want tenpence now? Or do you want a pound next week? He'll take the ten p, unless he's pretty fly. But usually they'll have what they can get. He wants to immediately gratify himself with something. Immediately. And I would say to you now, if you cannot resist self-gratifications, self-gratification, and you're taking the ten p now, you're immature. If you cannot rule over your own spirit, over your own appetites, whatever they are, sexual, physical, food, if you cannot rule that area of your life, then you're taking the temperance now. This is why I'm, I'm in a season in my life where I, I don't care, it's not to do with my weight any longer because I'm declaring 11 stone and a size 18. Because you know what I had been declaring? I've been declaring fat lump. Oh. If I hadn't been speaking it out, I'd been look, thinking it. And really the Lord said, you better speak out what you want to be. Because in that way you will come to it. So part of coming to it is I've asked him what my discipline is in eating. Have your breakfast, nothing in between. Fruit for lunch, have an evening meal, fruit no puddings, no ice cream. That's why there's a, a little bleat goes on at tea time when I can't have the pink ice cream. She came out with pink ice cream and I'm thinking that is cruel. Up until now it's been white. I could cope with that. And now they come out with the pink. And the Lord says, just testing. Can you resist the pink ice cream? And then this little one says to me, would you like a crisp? And I think, no. I didn't realise you were, you were abstaining, Joyce. Um, I I'm not abstaining, I'm getting this thing under. Yeah, that's what I didn't realise mm. that was good. Mm, 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 mm. offered it to you. Mm -hmm. No, it's good. Tested it me. Tested you, yes. Tested me. Uh, so, you know, instant gratification, it's, it, it's, a, it's something that we will go for. Um, oh, let me have it now, which is like trading, you know, I'll have it now. And, and the enemy is there, right there, to do it. So maturity is exceedingly important because maturity means God is going to put you into your, into your life the land of promises. He's going to put into your life material, spiritual, family blessings. You are going to be known. Do you remember when the seven sons of Sceva tried to, cock, chuck, excuse me, tried to chuck out the uh, demon? The demon said, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? You do not get spiritual authority without you deal with yourself and, and in these areas that we've been speaking about this week. Proverbs 17.2, and we'll finish with this one, says, A servant who acts wisely will rule over a son who acts shamefully. I mean, there's a, that's it, says it in a nutshell, doesn't it? that you've got a servant in your house that, that is actually acting better. 17.2 A wise servant will rule over a son who causes shame and will share an inheritance among the brothers. Inheritance again. 
The servant who grew up and matured took your inheritance. You can say, I'm a son, I'm a son, I'm a son, but you've got to prove it. It's got to be backed up with your lifestyle. You can say, I'm a warrior, I'm a warrior, I'm a warrior, and the devil will just come and laugh at you. The first run in, mincemeat. Because it's just words. A lot of that goes on. So the servant who grew up and matured took your inheritance. But when you start lining up with God, for the first time in your life, you're liable to find out what spiritual warfare is all about. The wolf can smell bacon and he's chasing it. You start coming into your inheritance, inheritance and the whole cabin is surrounded with wolves. And when you get your inheritance, there will be people trying to take it off of you. So if you don't grow up in God, he won't put anything in your wheelbarrow because we won't know how to take care of it once it's in a wheelbarrow. If we, if we do not guard it, what's it say? Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it is the wellspring of life. If we don't actually guard that which God gives us, be careful with it. Um, be careful how you share with people. You can, you can have a call on your life, but you can share unwisely and uh, uh, it can decimate you because they'll start trying to talk you out of it. Um, anyway, there we are. Uh, I think we'll finish there. Thank you very much. Bless you.